0: If Kading's entire purpose is to clear the Biggie murder and to get the LAPD off the hook and he's got some guy that they allege is just going to tell him whatever he wants to hear, then the last thing he wanted to hear was, oh, we didn't do that. We did this other murder and it's going to be a huge mess for you to, to, have, to have to untangle now. Right. Because, you know, the good, I, I, we didn't kill Biggie, we killed Tupac.
1: gentlemen, um, respect to the culture, graffiti talk radio in the building. Today's guest is uh, Murder Rap Director, Producer Michael Dorsey. Great to have you on the show, Mr. Dorsey. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Definitely, definitely. Uh, shout out to uh, Big Fresh, Big Diesel, on, the, on my co-host. And uh, let's get it popping. Hey, uh just want to know, starting
0: off, uh, where were you born and
1: where did you grow up?
0: Sure. I-, I was born in Orange County, California, so I was born in Southern California. Out in the uh, the suburbs, in uh, kind what of the Fullerton Fullerton Brea area, and then uh, for a time I lived in rural Colorado on a farm. So I kind of got the best of uh, both worlds, I guess. And uh, then I went to uh, I went to school in the Phoenix area at Arizona State, and then came out to L.A.
1: That's what's
0: up. Kind of all over the know. Southwest, I would say. Yeah. That's cool. Um,
1: how, I mean, I know you did. You go to film school to study your craft, or how did you I, get I didn't. into film? Okay. I didn't.
0: I went to business. I went to business school. I thought I was going to go into advertising. Uh, I thought I was going to write ads, uh, but then I realized that what I really wanted to do was make films. So uh, it's actually great. I, I recommend people that want to make films get some business experience because, um, you know, the hardest work is the logistics and the budgeting and the scheduling, uh, all stuff that you learn in, in business school that you, you usually don't learn at film school. So all it kind right. of worked out well. And then I just I learned by doing, which is what I recommend everybody do. You know, yep. you make one movie and that's like an entire year of film school. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So sure. um, how did you get involved with the Tupac Biggie chase thing with uh,
1: Detective Greg
0: Sure. Um, I've made uh, some other documentaries about Hollywood history, entertainment history. It's kind of one of my one of my things that I'm into. And um, when That's I it. first moved when I first moved to L.A., I lived probably three or four blocks away from the intersection where Biggie was killed. And I, I knew all about that story already right. just because of my interest in, in all that. And um, it's crazy because most of the people in L.A. don't even know that. It's right. so weird. You right. point it out and they're like, what? And like yeah, and people you know people that don't know the story they think that both rappers died in Vegas or you know they just don't know the you know they don't know the, yeah. the details about it. But uh, my dad actually grew up in Compton. He grew up uh, just a few blocks east of what is now Southside Crip territory, wow. uh, right in the heart of all that stuff. Just you know directly south, maybe a mile or two of where Sug grew up. Um, oh. he, his his oh. childhood home, which his dad built, is maybe three or four blocks away from Easy E's childhood home. So it's like it's all there. It's like kind of Kelly Park Crips, Southside Crips order there. So uh, I always had kind of a weird tie to to Compton. I grew up hearing all about Compton. And, you know, even when my dad lived there, he was a, you know, a little white kid, scrappy white kid. He used to get into, you know, it was always a rough kind of a rough place there in East Compton, um, you know, regardless of your, your, you know, your ethnic background. So I grew up with lots of stories about him talking about passing knives and chains at the back of class (laughs) and getting into fights. And you know what I mean? He's. He's, uh, you know, luckily his parents got him out of there um, around the time he hit high school. Uh, Mm -hmm. Otherwise, he would have got he would have gone to Compton High with um, with a lot of other kids.
1: No doubt. No doubt.
0: So um, long story short, I contacted Greg because I I read about his book online and uh, it sounded really fascinating. And I just reached out to him and said, let's let's do something. So he sent me his book. I read it. uh, I still wanted to do it. and, And, you know, the rest is history.
1: Yes, sir, man. A great, great book, uh, great DVD, too. Um, Thank
0: you. I guess
1: guess, uh, dwelling into some of the uh, facts or stuff into the DVD or the movie and the book, um, some of the stuff I found interesting, like, can can you explain how Tony Draper of Swap House was, like, initially a suspect as far as his car and how did that all transpire or... Yeah, uh, I read a, a file where it had his Bentley. Like, I think he had a purple Bentley. Oh, no oh, oh,
0: oh, oh! yeah. I know who you're talking about. He's from Texas. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yeah, sir, yeah. Yes, yeah. Sir. That's crazy. You know, that's crazy. And that story really, I think, um, goes to show how much effort was put into these investigations that people don't even realize. You know, his car um, kind of initially is even today, still today, is kind of, you know, it's on that video. And people even today think that that's an Impala. And think that boy, maybe boy. That's a, and it was, and it was a Bentley and it looks a lot like an Impala, but it's not, it's not the same car. But I mean, there's tons and tons of uh, notes in the case files detailing how they, you know, reached out to him, tracked him. Down. I mean, how they've been found out who he was, uh, tracked him down, dealing with his attorney, kind of trying to set up a, an interview with him and ultimately clearing him. But th- that alone was like a week long part of their investigation, just Damn, clearing geez. that one guy. So it's kind of amazing. When you see, like, how how much they dove into this case and we're looking at every single person they could think of, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, it it is crazy. Um, And, you know, he was in the wrong place, wrong time. But there was a guy there, if you watch the video, um, around that same time, there's a guy in, like, a striped kind of polo shirt standing around around the same time that he and his Bentley are there. There's a guy, kind of a tall guy with a long striped polo shirt that hangs low. That guy was identified by two members of Biggie's entourage as being one of the guys that was staring him down outside the the Peterson that night.
2: So you can see
0: one of the potential suspects standing there. Whether that guy had anything to do with it, we'll never know, but it is interesting that they watched that video and pointed that guy out and said that was one of the guys.
1: Was that the same video that they had to go to Texas to recover off of someone's cell phone? Yeah, it uh, it was
0: from a... Yeah, it was from a video camera. There were um, some some tourists who were from I think Houston, um, who just happened to be in town. And I think one of them knew. I can't remember if it was. It may have been DJ Quick or knew somebody, and they ran into him at a gas station that night. And and whoever it was, I can't remember who, but it it may have been him. They said, "Hey, you know, I'm on my way to this party. You should like go go hang out." And they couldn't get him in, but they knew about it, and supposedly that's what led to them. Going there and parking across the street, and they were just there to look for celebrities, uh, just filming yeah, that videotape. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's crazy. But you can see, you know, early on before the police get a hold of that tape, you can see in the case files, uh, you can kind of sense their excitement because they think maybe they got the shooting or the killer on video, yeah. and then you know the disappointment when they realize that uh, they didn't. Nothing. Yeah,
1: yep. that's crazy, man. Um, I, I just want to go back to like uh how like the the Tupac shootings all tied in with everything, but, like, in New York, the Quad Studio shootings, was that just, was that basically, like, a bad boy, was that really a bad boy hit thing with Jimmy Henchman? Because they all used to kind of work with Puffy, but how, how did that all transpire, like, as far as um the Tupac hit?
0: Well, you know, it seems like um, most of the people involved with that that we know, you know, were involved now have confessed to it. Um, either or they're confessed uh, openly or or confessed to police. And then we found out about it. So, um, you know, I, I didn't go too far into that investigation, but it just, yeah. I'm kind of looking at it more from an outsider, probably, you know, like everybody else. It does seem like maybe, you know, I think Tupac's ultimate conclusion when everything, when the dust settled was not necessarily that Big and Puff had anything to do with it, but yeah. he may have felt that Big should have known something was up. and should have warned him. Yeah, And I think that's kind of, maybe that's where I land on that. But it also, from what I've read, seems like Big did warn him to stay away from those guys.
1: That, yeah, you know, I've read, read that, too. So, I, yeah, I've read that, too. It's kind of uh, contra- contradictory or whatever, but, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, um, I feel but, like that one's pretty pretty solved. I don't, I don't know that there's enough evidence that shows that Bad Boy was, you know, directly involved. Okay. Um,
1: one other thing from, like, a New York standpoint
0: how was what's what was the
1: big role with uh zip von martins role like puffy's uncle or whatever so his like...
0: um he you know his connection to this goes way back um he uh uh he was let me think here he was um he was friends with you know puff's dad uh yeah. con- connected to his dad he uh faith Evans, i believe knew him before she even knew puffy wow um in fact i believe I, i'm i'm going from memory again but i'm i'm almost positive Uh, In one of the interviews, she says that she met Puff through Zip. So uh, Zip is deeply, seems deeply tied into all this. According to Chuck Phillips, Puff spoke at Zip's funeral, even though they had had their falling out, you know, by the time Zip died. And uh, I saw another thing where, um, I don't know if they're still doing it, but for a few years after he died, they used to do a thing called Zip Code Day or Zip Day there in Harlem on the anniversary around his death. And I saw a post from somebody uh, thanking uh, puffy for dropping off vodka and t-shirts at the at the party wow Just like a little like block party that they had for him yeah. so you know connected but but maybe wouldn't officially want to ever talk about it
1: how long was it martin like in la though was he already he meant he had he's been making moves maybe in the late early 90s maybe
0: uh so yeah that's well he, that's or? when he you know that's when he, he supposedly got to know keith around 92 or 93 So he would have been coming out already. And I think already he had, you know, business going on before then with some of Keith's, you know, one of Keith's associates. And then it sounds like what Keith claimed was Zip's main contact in L.A. went to jail and Keith jumped into that role when that happened. And that's how that relationship started. And then over the course of those next, you know, year or so, he starts meeting Zip's contacts. And one of them is, according to Keith, Puff at, at that party in L.A yeah
1: and that's what it all happened uh, all right. um, so, what, what about I'm just, i just i mean i read on a thing uh, i think it was uh, D- detective katie had put on his uh facebook thing about how like he got, did a case i don't remember in the nineties or something where he had a a, a car that was a <laughs> a, uh, like yeah. a- stolen car what what was that about what
0: what was that I, I'm trying I can't remember the exact details but basically there was a stolen car um that he just randomly did the case on and it turned out to be Zip's. I think Zip had been the victim in this car theft uh, wow. and and Greg Kading had something <laughs> to do just had randomly come across him by working on that case. So uh, yep. And that's great, that, one of those crazy of showed, coincidences. That kind of showed uh,
1: that 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 he had established residence in California though. Like yeah. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. I don't he, he was obviously he there was business going on from between New York and LA. Um Definitely. I mean you can fill in the blanks on what that business was. For sure. And uh and I don't know if you know Zip had like a, a residence out here or if he was just, you know, staying at with friends or hotels when he came out, but yeah, he it seems like he was going back and forth a lot. And obviously had a car out here. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Oh, um, and you know when this? Zip when Zip when Zip goes out to Vegas, he supposedly goes out in his Mercedes. So that's you know yeah. there's another car that's out here.
1: Was, uh, was Foxy Brown really in the car when uh, they made the the gun exchange? Was
0: all we comes? have on all we have on that is Keith's word that that's who was in the car with Zip, and then Zip told her to get out, and so they could have their their conversation. So I don't know if uh, you know you know we you you only go by Keith's word on that one. There aren't any other witnesses between him him, Zip, and Foxy would be the only people who saw that. Right. Yeah. But it is kind of a tantalizing detail in his thing and a weird thing to make up if it didn't happen, I would say. Exactly. Like, his interview, like, a lot
1: of, you know, like, I've seen, like, other people, like, I don't know his name, but they just try to debunk it, but, like, what he said in that interview is just crazy, man. Like, um, can you explain, like, uh, how they
0: got the interview and... Where is KVD now? Sure. So, you know, they guys like Keith are not going to confess to something like this unless you hold something big over their heads. And Kading's, uh, you know, theory always is that there are a certain amount of times that someone in his position is willing to do in jail, and there's a certain amount of time they're not willing to do. And so the key was to, to get enough years over him that he would have to cooperate. What's funny, and people that, you know, try to say that, that Keith just made it up or that he was just telling them what they wanted to hear is, you know, Kading's original mandate was clear the Biggie case, solve that case. And they went after Keith because they thought the Southside Crips had killed Biggie over that supposed debt that was owed from Bad Boy. So if Kading's entire purpose is to clear the Biggie murder and to get the LAPD off the hook and he's got some guy that they allege Is just going to tell him whatever he wants to hear. Then the last thing he wanted to hear was, "Oh, we didn't do that. We did this other murder, and it's going to be a huge mess for you to to have to have to untangle now." Because, you know, we didn't kill Biggie. We killed Tupac. So you know, if if he wanted to hear, if, if Keith wanted to tell them what they wanted to hear, he would have just confessed to Biggie. He would have had immunity for it, and that case would be closed. And LAPD would be exonerated, and that case would have been over in you know two years, instead of going on for for three or four, but they did that big Mm -hmm. drug sting on Keefe. They got a big case hung, not over his head, not only his head, but hung over the heads of his uh, family members and other members of his gang. And we're like, it's not just about you. It's about all these other people. They're going to go to jail too. And you either cooperate with this or, uh, or you go to jail. And by the way, it's a proffer deal whereby if you lie and we catch you later, you go to, you, you do that time. In fact, we can then use your testimony against you. And that's um, reportedly what happened to Jimmy Hinchman. He had a proffer deal that went on. There were several sessions. And then in court, I believe his lawyer claimed that he would lied at some point during that. And the law enforcement was like, oh, really? Well, cool. Then his proffer deal is voided. And now we can use those words against him. So it's not something yeah. that law enforcement takes lightly. So I don't know. I, I think there's a um, not just in the, the amount of details that Keith was able to offer up. Over the course of a, right. a two and a half hour long interview, where they were really grilling him on the details, but also the yeah. fact that he knew that if he lied and got caught, that he just blew his one chance right, to, right, right. to 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 get out to get out from under this. Um, where Keith is now, uh, I've heard different stories. You know, he he did do some um, jail time last year for yeah. I think I think it was a, a, a weapons thing. He had a gun on him and he wasn't supposed to uh, ha- be in possession of a weapon or, or something like that. But, uh, he's out now. Um, I've heard he's still, you know, I don't think he's living in Compton full time. Um, supposedly right. still goes back there from time to time, but you know, I, he stopped doing his thing, whatever that thing is. Right. Right. Oh, Joe, yeah. uh, I have, there is, it? by the way, there is a rumor out there, uh, actually what more do? than a rumor. I know for a fact that he, uh, I believe has given a second interview to another big, uh, entertainment company. So we are waiting to, to see, uh, if and when that's going to come out, um, oh, a, a, legit, a legit like formal sit down interview um, with a, a major, a major company. Yeah. Oh,
2: man. Um,
0: but you know, I, I, I can't name that company at this time. It's still yeah, yeah. under wraps, but you know, and, and who knows things, you know, th- projects get started and, and not finished all the time. So we're waiting to see if it happens or not. But, um, I have two different sources that have, that have confirmed wow.
1: that. Um, what was the. What was the Orlando, you know, in Orlando, Anderson went to the death death row offices to, I guess, like, testify for Shook, and Keithy D went along. How, what
0: happened with that? Well, why did he even, like, agree to this? Well, Keith, uh, I don't know that it was at death row's offices. It was at the lawyer's office. And I, I don't know if at that time that would have been in death row's building or somewhere else. But, but Keith went along, I guess, just to be with his nephew to get his back or to maybe be just a supportive of him, you know, kind of, you know, I don't know, emotional support or whatever, but Keith claimed that he was against that deal. He thought he was selling out to to, to do that.
1: Yeah. I just thought it was super strange, man. I mean, maybe for yeah. the money, but it was just, it sounded weird.
0: Yeah. And, uh, and, and we do know that Orlando did perjure himself. He did sit on the stand and said that, you know, nothing had happened. And unfortunately for Suge Knight, Uh, what they didn't anticipate was that Orlando Anderson had already talked to the police and and security people in Vegas after he was beat up that night and told them what happened. So law enforcement and the DA and the judge already knew the real story. And they realized he was changing his story. And of course that looked suspicious. So it didn't, it didn't work. Yeah. Had he not already, had he not talked to, you know, can uh, 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 casino security and police there that night that he got beat up. And told them what happened you know maybe it would have worked i don't know right right that's crazy um can you uh talk about
1: the alleged fbi following biggie smalls from new york to california the night that he got killed and actually being photographed that was shown to like little c's of them being say
0: that again i'm sorry say Uh, that say that again
1: uh did you like uh, explain or like detail anything about the FBI investigation or oh, I think it might have been ATF investigation on Biggie Smalls and they followed yeah, him sure. from New York to Yeah,
0: Yeah, there had okay. been a um I think this was tied in there had been a raid on his home there in New yeah. Jersey. Um and you know I think we posted some of the photos from that before that shows you know some of the guns that they found and stuff. So um yeah. apparently there was an investigation an ongoing investigation going and they just had them you know under surveillance. And that's according to Keith the reason that when he walked up to Puff at the party at the Peterson that night, the Biggie died. He claims yeah. that Puff was like, "Hey, the F B R is all over me. He doesn't. We can't be seen together." Oh
1: snap! Wow,
2: that's crazy.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's and when Keith told that to the investigators at the time, which was not Greg. That was an earlier interview back in the nineties that he that they brought him in on. When he said that, they were you know they were kind of shocked that that Puff had allegedly said that. That he knew the FBI were all over him and stay away.
1: Wow. That's, that's crazy, man. That's crazy. Um, what about the... Uh, do you have any, like, I guess would it be, like, information or anything about the... Like, these, while death row was going on and everything, so I think before Tupac, did Tupac... Uh, did, uh, I have multiple contracts on his life by Southside clips? Or was it... Where did the beef actually originate? Did it
0: happen before Tupac? Or after the Tupac thing, um, there was a time that, you know, early on when things were good. I know this because um, uh, uh there's there's I don't I'm trying to think of when the actual timeline of events was. I think Tupac b- before the the Southside Crips and the mob really I think got into it. Tupac was already a death row. I could be wrong, um, but it seems like there was a time because I've heard it. I've heard a claim that um, from somebody associated with. Um, the mob pyrus that this is kind of kind of sound shocking but Orlando Anderson actually ran into Tupac at the Beverly Center and Whoa. uh and talked to him what? and said it just walked walked up like a fan and said I'm a big fan of yours um, cuz you know Orlando Anderson was into the music scene and and supposedly Orlando Anderson was a fan of
2: Tupac and
0: was listening to Tupac on his stereo when he got arrested after uh after Tupac was shot damn. and supposedly, and they think this may have been more kind of gallows humor, you know, dark humor, uh, driving around Compton with Tupac blasting after Tupac was shot That's crazy. as kind of a, you know, I kind of be an ironic, but the, the, to go back to your original question, the beef, um, seems to have been centered on two things. One, there were stories that, you know, mob Pyru were, were dating Southside Crip women. Okay. And you can imagine, uh, you know, the mob are suddenly getting all this death row money and cars and jewelry. Um, you know, there, you, you can imagine they were players on the streets in that neighborhood and those neighborhoods are not far apart from each other. So you so, can see how that would cause problems. And then separately, there was a beef between uh, Trayvon Lane and Orlando Anderson. Okay. And uh, we came across a poem written by, a known Southside Crip associate about that beef, alluding that it had started back in high school. Wow, that's
1: crazy. And
0: what I've heard about that is, um, without giving away too much um, confidential information that's been been given to me, but basically Trayvon Lane got into it with a Southsider, beat the guy up. There was already kind of that rivalry anyways. Orlando Anderson, for whatever reason, took it upon himself to get payback. And then fast fast forward, and there's the Lakewood Mall incident where he, you know, Trayvon Lane and two other mob are at that footlocker, and Alander Anderson's got, you know, six to nine crips with him. So they got numbers, and they took advantage of that situation and, and assaulted him and took his chain. And from what I've heard now from multiple sources, all of Death Row knew about that incident with the chain getting grabbed, and all of them took offense to it at that point it wasn't just Trayvon versus Orlando Anderson. It was all of the mob and death row associates versus Orlando Anderson. Cause that was like an assault on all of them basically
2: wow. to, to yeah. take that
0: chain that, you know, they considered sacred. Yep. So they already decided before they even saw Orlando at that MGM, it was already decided next time we see him, it's on. So when they yeah. saw him at that night at the MGM, after the fight or Tupac knows full well about this, he's friends with Trayvon. He knows about it like everybody else does, but he doesn't know what Orlando Anderson looks like. He just knows it's a guy named Orlando Anderson. So all of a sudden, the crew spots Orlando Anderson standing there in that elevator lobby or or passing through it, and you know it's like they group up. And and Tupac's like, who's that? And Trayvon has that famous whisper in the ear, that's the guy, that's Orlando Anderson, that's the guy. Not go beat him up for me, just I'm filling you in, that's the guy we've been looking for. And on his own, Tupac just takes off. Wow. And you know that set that kind of locked his fate when that yeah. happened. But you know I think Trayvon has been unfairly criticized uh, by people who kind of jumped to conclusions. And I know some of the people that have criticized him publicly that were with Death Row allegedly did not get along with him anyways. So there was already yeah. you know there's these internal feuds that motivate people to say things um, that you may not you may not know about but right. yeah was, uh, you know like uh, the game says it was all over a death row chain
1: what did did you know cuz i i read that um that they had a bounty for that chain did did, uh, did they ever get back to uh, death row of the bad boy hands or was it just
0: uh i've the... never heard anything i have never heard anything about that um whether the chain ever was whether any chains ever made it back to to them um i only know the claims um we have a you know that confidential informant uh that claims that there was a bounty, and Danny Boy um, has also okay, yeah, said yeah. in an interview, he said in an interview with Vlad TV that there was a bounty. I think he claimed the bounty was like $75,000 or some crazy amount. Yeah, uh, right. In the, mo- okay. in the movie, in, in the movie, the informant that we referenced, I think said it was five. Okay, okay. Uh, but yeah, there's at least two different witnesses who claimed that that, that was a, a real thing.
1: Right, man, crazy. Um, what about, uh, I, I read in another thing, man, they said Orlando Anderson was in Atlanta the night that, uh, uh Jake Robles got shot or killed.
2: Is that, is that yeah,
0: that's, actual? Yeah. Well, uh, it's based on uh, a witness. There was a, um, the nightclub security guard that was working that night was an off-duty Atlanta police officer.
2: Right. And
0: when uh, Russell Poole and um, I think I don't know if it was De- Martin or Miller, one of his partners on that case, they flew out to Atlanta to interview that security guard. And when they did that, they took pictures of the South Side Crips with them because they had heard these rumors about Southside Crips being associated with bad boy. Um, and they showed him pictures of they showed him a photo of Corey Edwards and they showed him um, the video of the from the MGM of Orlando Anderson. And right. he said that th- he said that those that both those guys looked like two of the guys that were there that night. Wow. Um, so it's based off that, you know, one guy's identifying of a bunch of people that he saw. But at the same yeah. time, it can be argued that, you know, law enforcement is trained to um, observe things closer than your your average citizen is. So I think there's a little bit more weight to his his testimony than just your your average person. Definitely. But it is all based on just that one guy's idea. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh,
1: what do you know about the um the defunct Death Row East? What what were they trying to actually do with uh Death Row Records, trying to like, move to the east coast? Do you have any Yeah,
0: it just sounds it sounds like uh, I don't know too much about that, but it sounds like that's uh what the, the plan was to open <coughs> to open up shop there and I guess take um Bad Boy on directly in you know in their backyard and, and Tupac Talked about that on camera in an interview, like two days, be, two or three days before he died, yeah. And he was kind of bra- kind of bragging about how they were open, going to open up Death Row East, and he was in New York when he said that.
1: Yeah. Was that also like a? Was that also like a? I mean, some people say it was like a front because they was trying to, uh, you know, move whatever the you know drug pipeline or anything. Was yeah. that Was that far fetched, or was that kind of
0: close to the truth? Or yeah, I, I haven't heard anything about that okay right right okay um uh-huh. the only thing i <laughs> the only thing i ever heard a story about um is as far as you know drugs and death row were concerned was um the um photographer for death row um was a, a woman who um she claimed that uh somebody who worked there um, that she knew was selling uh, marijuana out of the you know out of the the building and she confronted the girl about it and, and got the crap beat out of her. Damn. over it uh, like like as if like she thought it was just that girl but there was it wasn't just her kind of a situation I think she was kind of yeah, reprimanding yeah. that girl because like look this is a professional company you can't be doing that and then you know and then got taught a lesson that you know keep your mouth shut and yeah, uh, yeah. she she quit and she uh, she quit after that Wow so I'm sorry out
1: of the million-dollar contract that uh that was alleged did they did the clips receive any of the money or was it never ever
0: received? According to Keith, they never got a dime out of it. Um wow. according to him, uh he claims that someone close to Zip told him that Zip got half the money. Uh and I think the um the and I think Keith might have been willing to accept that because they only shot one of the two people that were on the contract. So I think he was going to accept that. But then, according to him, Zip kept the money.
1: Wait, Shig was on the the contract too?
0: Yeah, he wanted them both, supposedly. Oh, wow. I didn't Yeah. Yep. Wow. So when they shot that car up, they had a chance of getting both in one, you know, in one go. (laughs) And they only only got one of them. Yeah. Yeah. But again, that's based on, you know, Keith's testimony from what he heard from somebody else who heard it from somebody else, you know. That, yeah, zip had, so. that zip had kept the money, but we do know, according to um, Chuck Phillips, that around that time there was a—that's when the big falling out happened between Zip and Orlando anders or, or Zip and Puffy. And and Chuck Phillips didn't know what the falling out was over. He just knew that there was a falling out. And right. and Keith claims in his testimony that the falling out was over that that not forwarding that money on. Oh damn! And and making good on the deal.
1: Crazy. I mean, is there any you truth know, to? I was. I was gonna say, is there any truth to Faith Evans celebrating after Tupac got killed,
0: or no. is that just folklore? No, that's based on you know what that is? that's based on that phone call that we that Keith mentions in the movie, and I think that's okay, another okay. thing that maybe is. I think maybe that's another thing that's been taken out of out of context. Um, yeah, you yeah. know, the day after the shooting in Vegas, Keith meets up with Zip at a hot wing stand in Hollywood on Melrose near near Pink's. Um, that's still there to this day. We wouldn't film there. Um, and he claims that during this conversation, Zip got two f- phone calls. One of them was from, he claims, Puff asking, was that us? And then the second phone call, he claims, was from Faith asking, was that us? I don't think Faith had any prior knowledge anything was going to happen. But we know that her and Zip went way back. Yeah, yeah, And so, of course, everybody's buzzed. This is the story that everybody's talking about that morning. So yeah. she wants, you know, if you want to know more information about what happened, she's going to call her friend Zip, who's connected to everybody, and just ask, was sure. that us? Because everybody knew about the rivalry. Yeah. So I don't think uh, you know, there would have been no reason for her to have been told about it ahead of time. She wasn't a part right. of it. Right. So you tell if she, the more people you tell, the more risk you're bringing on about it getting out. Right. Man. So yeah, I don't think she. I don't think she knew.
1: And then uh, one more on, on, on like on a musical tip, um, the long kiss Good night, um, by Biggie was that yeah, this song after but was it recorded after Tupac died or, or how was how what, how did the story go on that?
0: I think it's been claimed that it was recorded um, beforehand, but it's kind of hard to be- to believe that unless yeah. you know it was just it was recorded beforehand, but it was about Tupac, but they didn't know at the time that Tupac was actually going to die. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, that's maybe that's how it was. But look, you know, just like um Who Shot You? You know, they claimed yeah, that that yeah. was recorded before the Quad Studios recording. Well, they still released it within, you know, a couple of weeks of that happening. So, that's you know, true. you know full well how that's going to be interpreted. And then yeah. Big coming to LA and rapping it, you know, the day before he, or the day of the day before he dies yeah. uh, on LA's airwaves.
2: Yeah, I, yeah, for sure.
0: you know Already knowing, you know, I'm sure that people how people are interpreting that song. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know, man. I the you know, Marine Blue Crew in this six two. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the lyrics.
1: The who lyrics else is that? <laughs> <laughs> who else? Who else
0: is that? You know what I mean? And we know that. And um, we know that. And we know that. We know the Southsiders were big in the classic lowriders and still are to this day. Right, um, and right, have a right. and have a history of loaning their lowriders out to you know rap videos like for uh, not just for the Usher one that Keith claimed, but also for uh, one or two Easy E videos. We know that there are Southside uh-huh. Crip members in those videos and some of their cars.
2: Wow, that's crazy. Yep.
1: Um, what about their their involvement in like I mean I know the Crips was like I know uh, Orlando Anderson had a record label like an independent, but how far along were they in like the music biz because I remember seeing a post by Decadings this, 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 talking about a '93 rap video by Mello with Redman in it.
0: Yeah, we played it yeah, up. We, I, 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 it, yeah, we posted that. It. We posted that. That was a, a Mello video featuring Redman, and yep. uh, that it, it was '94, I think. And '93 okay. or '94, yeah. And uh, and the Keefe's in it. Orlando Anderson is in it. Uh, DeAndre yep. Smith, the big guy that was also in supposedly in the car that night, are in it. Three of the yep. three of the three of the people that were supposedly in the Cadillac are in that one music video together. Um, yeah, Win Prince, same. who was Win Prince, who was another prominent Southside associate, is in that video. Um, one of Orlando Anderson's brothers is in the video. Um, yeah, clear as day. I mean, you can obviously tell it's them. Yeah, I, I think that they were around the music business, and look, everybody knew that you know the Compton music scene was blowing up. And anytime that happens anywhere, I mean, look at the Seattle music scene blowing up around that same time. Everybody wants in on it.
2: Yeah, because yeah.
0: all of a sudden, all the music labels are looking for artists from that. From that same neighborhood, so right, right. DeAndre Smith founded his own record label in 2002-2003 wow. uh, called Runoff Records and had um, allegedly had some pretty big artists do a, a, a on a mixtape that he released.
1: Wow, That's crazy,
0: <coughs> um, man, crazy! Yeah, and Orlando Anderson's brother kept Success Records going for a few years after he died because um, right. they had founded it together and re- supposedly released a mixtape. Um which we've seen like the C D insert for, but I've never heard any of the, the tracks off of that.
1: I, I saw one on YouTube, man. They they allegedly said it was from that uh mixtape. I don't know if it was oh. or not, but yeah. If I find a link, yeah. I'll link it to you. You know what I mean?
0: That'd be great. I I've heard a couple of tracks that were off of DeAndre Smiths, but I've never heard uh anything off the successful. so that would be awesome. Yes, um definitely. and I know one person one person uploaded a uh track by a group called Young Guns that has uh, DeAndre Smith allegedly doing the intro at the beginning.
1: Wow, that's crazy, man. That's crazy. <laughs>
0: so, you know, they they were uh, <coughs> turning some of their uh, money that from their business, from, from Orlando Anderson's lawsuits, and trying to get into the the music. Industry. Definitely. Do you, do you think they would ever have gotten, like, if
1: they had uh, the record label would have gotten pretty big, do you think they would have maybe secured Biggie for a song if, you know, <laughs> like if you never got, if you got killed or anything? Um, or,
0: Uh, You you know what, man? I think after, um, if Tupac had lived and everybody had lived, maybe, but once, you know, once all that went down, they wouldn't, uh, nobody wanted association (laughs) continuing with with the Southsiders at that point.
1: Wow, yeah, because it it seemed like... um, If
0: everything had stayed good, you know, maybe.
1: Yeah, Yeah, because wasn't he pretty close to the the Southside Crips, at least some of them, uh, Biggie?
0: Just yeah they're, usually, like um, at the
1: basketball park or uh, basketball game, uh Dominguez Park or something, and you yeah Dominguez hills like.
0: uh community college, yeah, um, yeah. which if people don't know geography, Dominguez Hills is maybe five miles from Southside Crip neighborhood um oh, yeah. It's kind of crazy to think that Puff and Big were practically in their backyard that you know that the morning that big died, but um yeah, yeah there's yeah. multiple stories from you know multiple informants in the case files claiming that big came down, would come down to Compton whenever he would come into town. Um, one guy claimed that when Big came down, he washed his, his uh, SUV for him while he was hanging out there. Uh, so, and cool. then and then even the game was said on a tape on, or on a video on uh, YouTube. He's claimed that uh, Biggie and Orlando Anderson used to kick it when or- Biggie would come to town.
1: Or so.
0: Damn. And uh, Cease, Lil Cease claims that he went down to Compton one time with Biggie, but he they just they went and went to some lady's house and he didn't know who she was and and he that was all they did was they just went to this one person's house and then they left so he you know he didn't know the names of any of the people that they were hanging out with but he claimed that he went yeah. to Compton with him once
1: yeah yeah crazy man crazy um speaking of Chuck Phillips like his L A Times piece got like you know uh, reprimanded after a while because of whatever different sources um, right how close I mean. Some of the stories he got like the forty caliber Glock, the million dollar purse, and all that. Like, uh, the you know, I mean, he had some of the characters wrong, but how was he going off a uh, uh, Detective Kading's, uh reports or books No, or anything, uh, or, no, or?
0: I was no, it was the opposite because this was you know a lot of that was before Kading was even on the case. Okay.
1: Um, okay so okay. it was more
0: like Detective Kading came across some of those same case files that Chuck Phillips had been leaked um, that okay, he had okay. seen. Um, Chuck Phillips got burned over the Quad Studios murder or shooting, not, not over Tupac's murder in Vegas. Some people, even TMZ and People Magazine have confused that, unfortunately, but they, uh, he, that's the one he, he got burned over the Quad Studios one. He relied on uh, what turned out to be doctored, uh, I think FBI documents that were, okay. um, that were kind of being given to him by a con artist. And that's well, right. So he, but he was basically, it sounds like he was basically right, except that that piece of evidence was, was completely wrong and fabricated and that killed his yeah. story and, um, seems to have really blown up his his reputation, but
1: he was so close yeah.
0: on 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 the on the uh, Tupac and Biggie murders. He man, he was right in the middle of that. You can definitely yeah. tell that he had legit sources and contacts and was really close to figuring that out. Um, Kading claims that that million dollar clue was about Puffy, not Big, and that he claims he had a source of the LA Times say they changed that. Um, with the claim that Biggie was dead and couldn't sue them.
2: Yeah, yeah. But
0: I don't know if that's true or not. That's that's hearsay. Um, it may have just been... I mean, we do know that some of the rumors on the street were that it was Big, personally, who was behind the, the hit on Tupac, and that, that yeah. was that's what started the rumors that they had killed Big in retaliation, because um, they erroneously yeah. they thought that Big was involved. So, <clears throat> who knows?
2: Yeah. But out. Chuck
0: Phillips has kind of disappeared, man. He started a blog... Like I think yeah, back I'm in 2012, him. and he made a few really interesting entries, and then he disappeared.
1: Yeah, hope he's okay. Yeah, really. You know what I mean? Um, yep, absolutely, definitely. Uh, what about um the Tupac medallion that got ripped off his neck during the stomping of uh, Orlando Anderson? Did that ever get recovered? And yeah, did it get-
0: yeah, 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 okay. yeah. It didn't get taken. It it broke, and uh, okay, Frank, so. Alexand- Frank Alexander claims that when they went back to the Luxor for um, Tupac to change out. To go to the club, no that Frank yeah. Frank stood there and fixed his chain for him. So wow, and okay. I and I and I would assume I think there was just a conversation, people asking where that is. Now I would yeah. assume it's in you know the hands of his family.
1: That's good. That's good. Yeah, that's real good. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, I I mean, back to the biggie small thing. I just always thought that this was interesting. Like um, like maybe like a I thought I think it was like an hour. I I don't know about the time, but. There was, like, a shooting before that occurred outside the Peterson Museum or whatever? Yeah, it was like, about well, 30 minutes.
0: Was, it was about half an hour beforehand, yeah. Was that ever tied
1: into the the shooting of Biggie Smalls, or was that just totally no, different?
0: No, in fact, they were able to clear that. Um, in fact, even on our page a few weeks ago, I, uh, had, I posted a few photos of that okay. suspect's vehicle and the gun that was used for that shooting. Um, it was just, and, and I was even able to, um, cause I got a photo of the two suspects. I found one of the guys on a video home video taken inside the garage that night when everybody was leaving, he was just hanging out God. there. So we know he was, you know, at there at the party. And the story is that, uh, they drove around after the shooting happened and asked police what happened. And by this point, 911 calls had come in for their shooting, which had happened 30 minutes prior to that and uh, the police recognized them and saw the license plate and arrested the guys and then got the story from them. And it basically was that they were leaving the party. I think one of them got out to, to take a piss, like on the side of the road there outside the, the Peterson. And when that happened, the gun fell out on the ground. And um, he decided to shoot it into the air to make sure it was still working. Oh, and that, 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 that idiocy that idiocy is what led to them you know, erroneously being suspected of having some connection to this. But when you look at the timing of it, it was half an hour before Biggie got shot. So yeah. who is it Who is it diverting? And, and also what it actually did was brought police to the museum when they weren't there at the time. So it would have had the opposite effect. It actually, you just brought police within a block of where Biggie is about to be killed when, you know, they were nowhere near that area before then. So there's really, it doesn't hold any water that there were, that, that they had anything to do with it and and also if you're part of that conspiracy you don't pull up to the crime scene and ask the police what happened. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> with the gun in your car still. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um whatever like so
1: I mean I know Shig Knight got uh was implicated in, in the long run for this uh, and the guy that I think his name was Poo- Pookie, Poochie. The guy that Pucci, yeah. the trigger how 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 did all these investigations you know, I, I think it was an, I think elaborate. Uh, uh, they elaborated that it was a guy named Amir Muhammad and all this other yeah, crazy yeah, yeah. stuff. And then, like um, with with you guys, as one, how did you guys
0: determine it was or come to the determination it was uh, Poochie for uh, I don't know his last
1: name Faust or whatever. sure, sure.
0: yeah, it was Wardell Faust was his name. His, his street name was Poochie. Um, yeah. There were several things. There was uh, an informant um, who claimed that um, he claimed that Shug had a group of kind of enforcers, basically, that would do this kind of dirty work for him, and that Pucci was one of them. And then I think the claim was that um, one guy whose name is pretty well known was kind of the head of that group, and he went to jail. And when that happened, the responsibility for leading it kind of next fell on Pucci. And so there was that tip. Um, There was a claim that Pucci had killed at least one person, a guy named um, Ratcliffe, who was a bounty hunter who was um who was gunned down. He had been trying to intimidate Suge Knight into giving him a record deal. Um he was gunned down and they claimed that Poochie was one of the guys that did that. And then <coughs> um a guy uh named Roderick Reed, who went to jail with Michael uh with George Williams. George Williams being one of uh Suge's you know close comp kind of you know friends and bodyguards at that time. Uh Roderick mm. Reed who went to jail with for doing a, a big Uh, PCP thing with George Williams he claimed in a letter that he wrote to Kevin Hackey that he knew Poochie had killed uh, Biggie and by this point Poochie had been killed himself and I think that what was happening there was Roderick Reed was basically trying to send a threat to death row that hey I know that Poochie killed Biggie Smalls so you know I think he feared for himself at this point um, because by this point George Williams had had his big falling out with death row and a bunch of people had died over that. Um, yeah. And that, so there was that letter, which he never intended to be seen by the police, but they intercepted it because he was in jail. And then lastly, there was the ex-girlfriend of Suge Knights, um, <coughs> who they, basically what they did, if you've seen the film, they, um, they came up with a, a fake confession letter. Now Pucci's already dead at this point when they approach this ex-girlfriend, they come yeah. up with a fake confession letter That they alleged that Pucci wrote before he died, and was you know in the the uh, that his lawyer was holding on to, and they presented that letter to her, and basically that letter spelled out what they thought happened, and they were seeing if she would confirm it, and she at that point confirmed it in the letter. They had listed her name as a conspirator to give her the sense that Pucci had already dropped a dime on her anyways and uh sh- that's how they that's sh- how they got her the confess. and that you know some people think that that shady the police do that all the time it's not shady it's completely legal uh if it wasn't true she could have just said that's not true
2: <laughs> right, right and it right, right.
0: it was actually a huge risk on their part because if that wasn't true she would have instantly known that they're bullshitting her yeah and that would have that would have blown up they would have never been able to go back to her again ever again to get information on this cuz she would have known they're full of it
2: right
0: that's
1: crazy um, so it's kind of a Mary
0: was- pass that that worked out for them
1: were it wasn't in the book or the dvd but can you kind of go into like uh the george williams and like how he fell out with the death row thing and it, you, i mean i've seen a picture where uh is with uh, his like main henchmen and like i think all of them are dead in that picture except for suga yeah
0: yeah you got the uh, mcdonald brothers you know are dead uh, or at least yeah. i know for sure buntry is uh, uh basically what i've heard about that was that um, I think Shug accused George Williams of stealing okay. from death row. And I think George Williams' reaction to that was that he, there was a rivalry kind of for Shug's attention among all those guys. And I think he thought that McDonnell, uh, uh, Buntree and some of the other guys had um, put that bug in Shug's ear just to get him out of the picture. Right. So those are the two sides of that story. Uh, and basically to kind of, you, you Shug. Not one to just be like, okay, you know, get out of here. You're fired. Don't ever talk to me again. Uh, allegedly demanded that um, George Williams give him a car back that had been gifted to him. Give his jewelry back. You know, it was kind of like he had to rub it in his face that, you know, you're out. And right. that started this crazy internal war with the, the Pyru's that were associated wow. with death row. And a bun- and all these people died as a result of that. Uh, Buntree, yeah. Heron, uh, this guy named V. Buchanan um i think one of the uh the poochie i think was yeah, was yeah. the as a result of that poochie is one of poochie's poochie's friends who got shot while sitting next to him earlier and Poochie, you know the guy had died and poochie had been shot but lived that was yeah. all tied into that it's crazy all the bodies that fell over that that yeah. falling out insane bro insane and there were claims um, that you know petty stuff going on people getting stuff stolen off their cars You know and sold just like petty street stuff too it mixed in with all that that's crazy man that's crazy yeah hey big diesel you got a question
2: yeah um what my question is if it wasn't for the 400 million dollar lawsuit by the family of biggie small do you think that we would ever have as much information as we do now
0: wait say that last part again
2: um do you think that we would have it, ever have as much information as we do now if it wasn't for that $400 million no. lawsuit?
0: But, no, yeah. absolutely not. No. And Greg is totally open about that, that the whole reason the case was reopened was because of that lawsuit. Um, I think what people misinterpret though, is they think, Oh, well, they opened the case just to clear the cops are doing it. That's, that's not true because they had already been cleared. Um, the internal affairs investigation had found, um, no evidence to the press charges over. And then, um, the FBI had already run an 18 month investigation themselves into Poole's theory. And it also closed that out with, with nothing being found. So they, LA, LAPD already knew that their people didn't have anything to do with it. The problem was the threshold for proving something in civil court is much, uh, lower than it is in criminal court. And, you know, just like how, um, OJ Simpson was found not guilty of murder but then lost a civil trial against the victim's families. It's much easier to get a judgment against you in civil court. And so Mm -hmm. they needed, they needed to prove once and for all in a civil court that this never happened. And so that's why they were like, screw it. We're launching this federal investigation. uh, And we are going to find, find out who did this. That's the only way to get us off the hook is to finally solve this thing. And that's, and that would have never happened if, you know, tribute to um, Biggie's family, his mom and his, his ex-wife, continuing to, uh, I guess, ride for him and trying to get justice for him and filing that lawsuit because it never would have happened otherwise. And uh, I know uh, Biggie's mom, Valetta, is uh, on the record saying that she believes everything in the Murder Rap book when she read it years ago. Yeah. And uh, her daughter, uh, Biggie's daughter, recently on Twitter um, posted a couple of posts about uh, Murder Rap in support of it saying that she'd finally watched it. Wow
2: Good. do we have any new revelations since the film
0: um new revelations, you know I just keep the the Facebook page really has been like a kind of like fly paper um, it's been like a place a hub a kind of a central hub for everybody to come that has had anything to do with this case and we've been contacted by so many people and um, people on both the death row side and the Southside side, side um, yeah. with additional information and some of that we can share and some of that's in confidence um, I was contacted by one of the um outlaws through Ooh, cool. Twitter, thanking me for making it and uh, that was told to me in confidence, so I and I promised the guy would never reveal um you know his name, but he basically said that it's what they had always heard had happened and but hearing the guy confess to it closed the case for him. Wow, so it just wow. it was icing on top of what they already kind of- suspected had happened all along anyways. So it's been rewarding to get just everything I've heard has just been more uh, more and more reinforcement of, uh, of the theories that are put out in, in Murder Rap. Um, and then away from Murder Rap, just by total coincidence, literally five minutes before this interview started, we I got the green light to make a, a huge, huge, huge announcement. You guys are literally the first people to hear about this. Um, this has been going on for months. But... Uh, we are murder rap will be a scripted series on USA Network. What? They have,
2: oh, yeah, what? They, yeah, they <laughs> have a
0: greenlit. USA is greenlit a pilot episode only so far. So you know the pilot has yeah. to be accepted and then decide the, the if they want to make continue with the rest of the season. But it's super promising. And the biggest news connected to that is um, a guy named Anthony Hemingway who executive produced uh, the People vs OJ Simpson for FX. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And directed half of those episodes and won the Emmy for it. He has signed on to direct and executive produce this. That's dope. So nice. the people that made the so the guy that made the People versus OJ Simpson is going to make Murder Rap the series. That's um dope. And essentially, what it's going to be is uh, the series is called Unsolved. So it's going to be kind of a serialized thing where each season is a different case. Um, but the first case will be Murder Rap.
2: That's
0: dope. So that whole entire first season will be a scripted. Uh, version of greg Kading's investigation that's okay so (laughs) unsolved is going
2: to be every season is going to be a different case
0: yeah it's kind of like true detective and some of those other american crime and some of those other things yeah 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 so uh, season two will be at some other case not related to this but yeah
1: that's cool man that's awesome
0: so that's been man you know that wheel turns so slow we've known about that for so many months and, you know, you can't say anything. Deals were signed, you know, a long time ago, and you still can't say anything until the network announces it. But it, it went live out through all the entertainment media um, just a few minutes before we started this call. Awesome, man. That's great.
2: Awesome.
0: Hey, uh, Fresh, you,
1: Fresh, you got a uh, question?
2: Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things that I liked about the, the documentary, it debunked a lot of those conspiracy theories. You know, and, uh, well, my question is, knowing what you know now, uh, what what's your opinion on some of those elaborate outside theories, knowing the facts that you really know?
0: What, what is it like now to look at those theories, knowing what I know now? Yeah. Um, he, yeah. You he, he was hearing them then, you know. Sure, yeah. Look, I, I tell people um, watch or read Labyrinth and watch Biggie and Tupac from Nick Broomfield. They're, they're good. Uh, Labyrinth is a good book and, uh, Biggie and Tupac is a, a good film in so much that you get to see and hear a lot of these characters that you've only maybe heard about like yep. Kevin Hackey and, and those guys. Um, they, the conclusions were wrong, unfortunately, because, um, no disrespect for Russell Poole was wrong. Uh, that wild goose chase that he went on with his investigation, uh, sank, this whole thing, and they never fully recovered from it. Yeah. Um, you know, the, just just looking at like the what led him to point at Amir Muhammad, and yeah. how much how much was withheld from the public that debunked yeah. that that they knew full well existed. You know, they, they I know he listened to that tape of Amir giving the or of Michael Robinson giving out that name Amir, and I know he yeah. would have heard Michael Robinson describe the guy and realizes nothing like some fricking mortgage broker from San Diego who went yeah. to the university of Oregon. He's not a Compton bodyguard driving around in a stretch white limousine. And he would have known that Michael Robinson didn't know any details about the shooting. He thought it was an automatic weapon. He thought they were in like a, I think a SUV. I, I mean, he basically got nothing right, but he threw out five names and one of those names appeared on a sign in log to visit David Mack, the 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 convicted bank robber cop in prison that that name amir is the only link they had and then and then they lied again by omission with that login sheet where they said that amir had used a fake social security number yeah he did but he put down his correct driver's license number amir muhammad was his legal name he put down his correct uh, address that's not someone who's trying to hide his identity you don't put down a fake Social security number, that, but then put down your real driver's license number if you don't want to be found. And he explained to, uh, to I think, the Wallace Estates attorneys that the whole reason for that was he didn't want people stealing his identity. And that's how you steal people's identity is with their social security number. Yeah. And he's in a jail. Who knows who else is going to see that log? Yeah. Didn't want anybody to, he didn't want anybody to steal it. So if everything else in that form was fake, I would say, yeah, but it wasn't. So... That theory completely falls apart. And it really pisses me off that that was withheld from the public and that people were um, basically lied to by omission in order to direct them in one toward the theory. You know, I tried to put out... I try to... In Murder Rap, when I didn't know something for sure, I either didn't put it in there or we left it open-ended and let people decide for themselves. For sure. Which I think is the way to do it. Mm. And, you know, there's just every day it seems like there's some new twist on some crackpot theory out there. You can't even keep up with it. And I just want to be like, dude, I just want to be like, it's done. Stop. You can stop now. (laughs) (laughs) I would just say this. I mean, look, I think if you're going to put a theory out there about Tupac's murder, if that theory doesn't end with Orlando Anderson did it, I, I feel like you're just wasting your time. Right. Exactly, because
2: I remember uh, years ago, I got a, I got some cousins that stay out there on the West Coast, and we talked about this back then, and uh, the the Tupac case, that came up, and he was like, hey, man, he said, they saying what they saying on TV, you know, the media don't know, but the streets know. He said, the streets right. already know who got them.
0: That's right. Yeah, yeah uh, MC8 did that great interview with Vlad TV uh, a few months ago, yeah. where he He said that he's like, I knew Keefe. He's like, I knew Orlando Anderson. And he said that, and Vlad asked him is what was said in murder rap, what you heard? And he said, yeah. And he said the same thing. The streets talk streets always knew who did it. It's people outside looking in that are starting to, you know, figure it out finally.
2: All right. That's another thing
0: about nice about putting murder rap out now is I think it's kind of given people the okay to talk about it now because the information is already out there isn't the statute of limitations almost up on everything or, or uh not? the- well um there's never there's no statute of limitations on murder, okay, so to this day if they you know um to be perfectly honest with you Keith has to be careful what he says um yeah. because yeah. his speech is only protected from that session if he had said something right. new the next day that implicated him, they could have charged him so right. Right. um but but like Kading says it's it's highly unlikely that you know, there will ever be charges for this, but not because any statute of limitations have run out. They, If something came up, they could still charge people. Right. Uh, right. Will
1: well, well, Puffy and Sugar, well, I mean, you know, will they ever, they will never be tried, right? Or <laughs> oh,
0: I don't believe so. I don't believe so, Now, Yeah. No, never. Uh, here's the problem. The, the best chance I think that this had of being solved was that that kind of like sweet spot moment in 2008, 2009 when yeah. zip martin was still alive and yeah. katie was getting all this information now zip's dead so that's another key witness that's gone
2: yeah. um
0: yeah that was their big chance now you know <laughs> shug's in jail he's not going to get caught talking about this now you know yeah. whereas if they had gotten that wiretap they were applying for they might have got him on on something who knows yeah so i that ship that ship i think is sailed just mainly because too many people have died off since since yeah. that happened.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, can you tell everybody where to get the the, the movie, the DVD? I mean, like, I know already, I, I, People already probably know, but can you like tell them where <laughs> we can get the the DVD?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, it's out on DVD and Blu-ray on Amazon. Um, we're on Best Buy, Walmart, um, Barnes and Noble, I think, and then um, you can get it digitally for download off of iTunes. Um, Google Play, uh, YouTube—you can rent it or buy it. Um, let me think. And, but in pretty much any place where you can get movies, you can now find it. That's how I would say. No doubt, no doubt. And when
1: when does that uh, USA thing might go down? Well, I mean, you guys are gonna shoot the first pilot, but
0: you yeah, it. filming me... starts. Uh, filming starts, I think, fairly fairly soon. Uh, and awesome. then and then it's you know we're at you know the the networks um you know mercy it's up to them to decide whether they move forward after the pilot and then decide when that's going to come out
2: but it's happening
0: but i can tell you it's happening fast um and the writer of this the pilot script is a guy named kyle long who's the supervising supervising writer supervising editor uh for the writing staff on suits for USA. okay yeah yeah Yeah. that's good then that's good big people big people involved all the way around (laughs) Yeah,
1: for sure. I mean, well, thank you for your time, man. Uh, Thank you for your time. No problem, Dorsey. Um,
0: Do you have any last words you want to say or shout outs or anything? Uh, No, man. We covered it, dude. Just if you haven't seen the movie, go um, find it. It's everywhere.
1: That's that's, that's what's up, man. Thank you very (laughs) much, man.
0: All right. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Peace. One. All right.
2: Bye.